0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and we have a fantastic show for you today. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest here momentarily, and I just want to really thank uh, KUHSDenver.com, KUHSDenver.com, that's where we are broadcasting from, right here in North Glen, Colorado, which is just a suburb of Denver, and we are broadcasting the best shows. Uh, all across Denver and uh, all across the nation, all across the world. We are being listened to by thousands and thousands of people from all across the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is an honor and a pleasure to be your host. Um, I just want to let you know that a a couple things. Uh, There is an event that I will be presenting at, being a speaker at, at, the 5D event. It's going to be in Las Vegas, April 19th through the 21st. Uh, I will be on a panel discussion talking about uh, how how to bring more love into the world. And uh, it's focused on spirituality, consciousness, and business. You can buy tickets now at www.5devents.com. It's www.5devents.com, and there's going to be a lot of great speakers, events. Uh, Everybody there is really trying to help bring humanity to a new level. How do we bring each other together to find ways to be able to... uh, you know, solve our problems uh, from a higher level of consciousness, and uh, to bring each other together in a world that is so very, very divisive and yeah. troubling. And so, totally. And so, we've got to uh, we've got to find uh, healthier ways to be able to to uh, to reach the the solutions that we need to the problems that we have. So, please go ahead and check that out. And uh, uh, also our guests, we will be on next week again. I want you to let you know that our guest next week is going to be the Reverend Jim Clark from the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. We are going to be talking about rituals and transformation and as well as what the Catholic Church is doing about uh, the priests and the child abuse cases and seeing how the Catholic Church can reform it and if it can. So please tune in for that. You won't, won't want to miss that show. Uh, I also uh, always like to start a show off just with like a little prayer. You know, I've got this book. It's called Prayers for Healing. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these 365 blessings, poems, and meditations. are all from around the world. And, it's, uh, and the one that I read today, it's from the, the Dalai Lama. And I think it's kind of a, a good one before we start today. Please pacify the uninterrupted miseries and unbearable fears, such as famines and sicknesses, that torment powerless beings completely oppressed by inexhaustible and violent evils, and henceforth lead us from suffering states and place us in an ocean of happiness and joy. Those who, maddened by the demons of delusion, commit violent negative actions that destroy both themselves and others should be the object of our compassion. May the hosts of undisciplined beings fully gain the eye that knows what to abandon and practice, and be granted a wealth of loving kindness and friendliness. Through the force of dependent arising, which by nature is profound and empty of appearances, the force of the words of truth, the power of the kindness of the three jewels, and the true power of non-deceptive actions and their effects, may my prayer of truth be accomplished quickly and without hindrance. His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. Mm. Pretty amazing. I think it's important to, uh, to try to bring in peoples from all faiths, from all walks of life. That's one of the missions of the Council, is to be inclusive of all peoples, to give them a forum to speak, to talk, uh, to help us to understand and grow in wisdom together, and uh, to be able to understand how interconnected we are. Uh, we all breathe together. I mean that's real truth. Everyone breathes together. We all the whole. We all what is in one is in the whole, mm-hmm. and what is in the whole is also in us. And so, when we're able to see that and feel that uh, and recognize that, I think uh, we'll finally be able to have that peace, peace and prosperity and hope and mm-hmm. possibility for everybody. So, <clears throat> anyway. Our guest today is uh, Rajulari. Yes? Yes, I'm Rajulari. Right. <laughs> uh, she's a solo artist who has been performing four years in New York City and is now living here in Denver, Colorado. She sings soulful jazz. Oh my gosh, her voice is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I just love jazz, and you're so good. And on her website, it states that Lari's buoyant, voice vibrates with a clear and honest joyfulness. For her, singing is a healing and soothing activity. Her ability to share uplifting messages of confidence, empowerment, love, and hope through song is the most gratifying gift she can exchange. Um, I'm so excited that you're here, Roger Lardy. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Charlie. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate you guys having me back
0: oh wow, it's uh, it's an honor i mean I, I I had the opportunity to be introduced to you just a couple of days ago and mm-hmm. uh, listen to your music and it's just so so powerful and moving. I mean, you put your whole heart and passion into your music and your soul into it yeah. and where did where did the name Raju Lari come from that's such a That's such a unique name is it Thank uh, you. does it have a history to it?
1: Yeah, so um, Raj Dalari is actually a Hindi name. It's um, Raj is king and Dalari means daughter. Um, I'm not uh, Hindi by any means, but my father knew someone in college that had that name, and he said that whenever he, if, if he ever had a daughter, he would name her, uh, he would name her that. So um, he did have some. I do have some sisters, but for whatever reason, they felt like Raj Dalari was a good name for me, and I'm so grateful for it because it took me a long time to kind of grow into it and really feel the power behind a name and i think names are so important when a child is born and so grateful to my parents for that thank you so much <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i think it's i think it's an incredible name it's so beautiful thank i you. mean that's uh, the daughter of a king that is and it has and there is power in the name mm-hmm. and a lot of times we don't even we don't even know the roots of our names and what they mean right. like uh, my parents named me charles that was the uh that was in italian families the first son was named after the father's father, and mm-hmm. my grandfather's name was Charles, mm-hmm. and the root for that is, uh, is a warrior man,
1: Yeah, and that's what Charles
0: means, it's a warrior man, so yeah. it kind of fits that, a lot of the work that I do is with uh, veterans and others who have followed that warrior's path, so, mm-hmm. but your father passed away when you were very young, and yes. how did that impact you?
1: It was really tough, um, my father, uh, you know, I was born in Baltimore, I was raised in Michigan, um, for the first few years of, of my life, my father and, and my mom lived together, and um, he was a challenging guy. He was he was actually, uh, he did serve in the military, um, and he had some challenges as well. And um, he was killed when I was eight. Oh, yeah. And um, at the time, my mom, you know, we we had already left him and we were living uh, in Texas at the time and I remember thinking just it was he just didn't come home one day and um, for years when I was younger I used to tell myself oh he's not really dead you know he'll show up one day and I used to have these conversations and I used to think about what would I say to him you know if he was actually alive and um, you know my mom and I grew very close and it really shaped me and it really taught me how to be self-sufficient, you know, mm-hmm. it's like my mom, bless her heart, was a single mother and did an excellent mm-hmm. job with me managing my me and her grief and all the things that, that go into that. Um, and yet and still, you know, we were never hungry, we were never homeless, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm very grateful to that. But I learned a lot from that first <laughs> loss in my life. Oh,
0: yeah. my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so early on that. And that is such a formative stage in life mm-hmm. as well because, uh, and you could go, when you when a child experiences a loss of a parent or anything, you can go one of two ways. You yes. can make that, and you can go down a very dark path mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. self-destructiveness and All kinds of, you know, behaviors that are, uh, you know, against uh, what would bring you a lot more joy and happiness because you're suffering on the inside. Right. What made you choose the other direction? Was there something that influenced you, uh, people that guided you? Was your mom an influence in that?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I, I'll be honest and say that when I was younger, I did a lot of, you know, surviving. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't understand what it meant to suffer trauma, not just from my father, but other things that had happened in my life. And for a long time, I was just kind of drifting, and I didn't know... Um, what I should be and what I should do, and things like that, and it's funny because music was always just something that I did for myself, mm-hmm. it was always something that just made me happy, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that it was a profession. I just thought, well, you know, when I'm sad, I'll sing, and when I, you know, when I feel stressed out, I can sing, and, you know, when, when, when life just felt really difficult, I could go in my room, put on my records, and I would just escape into this beautiful world. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, you know, music became, I got asked to perform a lot and people would ask me to do things because I thought I wanted to be an actress and a tap dancer. Right. I wanted to be, I wanted to be like the female Gregory Hines. I didn't know anything about tap. I wasn't any, you know, <laughs> I can't say I was any good at it, but I just had this dream that yeah. I wanted to dance. And then all of a sudden, um, people just kept hiring me to sing. And I was like, you mean this thing that I do in my closet? Like that I do at home? You actually (laughs) want to pay me to do that? But it ended up being such a beautiful part of my life and I think it really helped me and healed me. Music has been that constant best friend that I had, because I was an only child as well. So music was like my sister, my best friend, more than anything. So that helped me a lot.
0: Well, I think that's, you know, and it's uh, music has a power that goes beyond words.
1: It does. It goes it does. beyond
0: feelings. It's something that can, you know, we talk about on the show a lot about how we can bring people together. Music is such an important way to be able to bring people together. It is. Because it goes beyond culture, it goes beyond ethnicity, it goes beyond. Uh, society, uh, yeah. civilizations. You can listen to music that was made 100, you know, 100 years ago, 200, 500 years ago, and you can still be kind of connected to it. It's so powerful and healing.
1: Yeah, I was, I was. It's funny. I was scrolling through Instagram today, and someone made a post that said, "You know that tingling sensation that you feel when you hear a song that makes you happy? That part of your brain never dies." and she was sharing it from the point of her father who had dementia and driving in the car with him and he didn't know who she was you know at that time it was a later stage of his life and my aunt also you know, my the dementia runs uh, a lot in my family mm-hmm. Um, but that he knew a music. Like he was Haitian, yeah. and when the music came on, he would just light up. <clears throat> and so they were saying that even in dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that, the one part of your brain that holds on so strongly to something mm-hmm. is that part that reacts to music. That's powerful. So powerful, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and
0: uh, I'm, a, you know, I, I don't know if I told you this, but. Uh, of an actor as well, so have yes. that performance thing where you know, and it's that act, that, that act of creativity of moving forward. Yeah, I think as human beings, we have we have two basic functions: we have a need to survive.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to make it on this
0: earth? Exactly, and a need to create. Yeah, and if we're not in balance with those things, if we're not, you know, then we then we suffer, and then uh, so, you know we're. We're, we're depressed, we're upset, we're angry. And right. to have an outlet like that, an artistic outlet, I think is so important for people to have.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, lately, because um, I love that you were talking about acting, I've actually, since I moved to Denver, I used to do a lot of musical theater mm-hmm. in high school and um, before I started performing in bands. And then, you know, started releasing albums and doing things. But when I moved to Denver, I made a conscious decision to find how many ways can I make music. It doesn't, you know, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm moving to a new city, let me release all the expectations that I had of old, you know, people knew me in Boston, people knew me in New York, nobody knows me here in Denver, (laughs) I can't have any preconceived, you know, preconceived notions. And so I started going on auditions for uh, musical theaters and for plays. And last year, I did four different plays. I played four different characters, and I gotta say, it was such a gratifying thing to try something new and have the universe say, "Yes, this is also part of your life, and this is also something that uh, you can do and an outlet for you." So, I would love to hear more about your acting, you know, experiences and how you deal with with Denver and the madness. Oh well, it's, I don't know about Denver, and the madness.
0: It was. Uh, I just got back. I was. Uh, well, I have a theater company in Los Angeles.
1: Oh, great! And okay. it's called
0: Lightning Rod. Theater, and we just completed our first, our, our, our production out there. Not our first; we've done a number. We've been in, uh, been doing shows since about two thousand
1: nine. Okay, yeah, yeah two thousand nine. Yeah. We
0: took a show to New York. Wow! Yeah, I was uh, where we started, and we were uh, at the New York French Festival and uh, nice. performed at uh, the Cherry Lane Theater mm-hmm. right yeah, down there. Yeah, and, oh yeah. my gosh, it was incredible! The oh. music, I mean, the history and the stuff that goes on there. Yeah, I was opening myself up to New York, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this place is amazing!" It yeah. is, it is. And uh, I got uh, so many times when I was, uh, you know, in the, the subway, mm-hmm. uh, people would come up to me and ask me for directions. Like I had this New Yorker. Thing yeah, going you know, on you got a little New York swag. Or something. Or something.
1: Something, you know, yeah. Something I have no
0: idea. <laughs> but we did a show out there, and uh, just you know, I, I, I realized how much uh, I, I had. I need to get back on the stage. Yeah, you know, it's something that feeds my soul. And, yeah, and I'm sure that's the same thing with music for you. Mm-hmm. When you're there. Now, when did you first okay um, start really finding out your, that it was jazz? That it was you were going to be singing jazz. Was there somebody who inspired you? Was there uh, an idol that you may have had, that you looked up to?
1: You know, it's funny, Um, my mom always listened to jazz when I was growing up, and when we lived in Texas, I had an aunt and an uncle who started the first black uh, jazz radio station in Austin, Texas, Mm -hmm. called KAZI, and um, I I was always around jazz, and I listened to R&B and soul and all those things, and now my music is more of a blend of jazz and R&B and soul, But there was something about when you would put an album on and you'd hear Sarah Vaughn's voice, Mm. you know, or Nina Simone or Carmen McRae or Ella Fitzgerald that would just heal you. You know it's my my husband um, and i my husband went through something uh, challenging in his life a few years ago and we went to jamaica and when we were in jamaica the first thing he did when we got quiet was to put on the radio and put on some jazz and you just felt like your heart was healing you know you just don't even understand how much of a medicine it is to you and so i knew that if i when i grew up And if I was really going to do music full time, then I wanted to be that kind of thing to somebody. I I wanted people to feel like that. I wanted to make music that made people feel whole and made them feel healed and soothed. I think there's a lot of music that's, you know, dance music and pop music and, you know, hard rock and heavy metal and all that. But I wanted it to feel like a warm hug. And to me, that's how jazz has always felt. And I I couldn't help it. I could not do it, you know? I don't even think I had a choice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, you know, the way you describe jazz, man, that's just, uh, every time, it's one of those musical genres that I just love and I've always loved. Yeah, well, you know the uh, Ella Fitzgerald and all the people that you're Sarah and the people you're talking about they just move you with their music. They too. And I found the same thing with your voice, listening to your music. Everything that you're describing, this healing power, this—it's like it, there's just a warmth to jazz that mm. you just brings you right in, and there's such—it's such soul. I mean, I, I think that this, um, this, the the music of America is jazz. I mean, it it's is. the soul music of. America. Yeah. If you look at it and the history of it, and uh, you know what the Amer- African American experience has been that's and what true. they've had to bring, and that's where I think it just comes through in such a powerful, powerful, powerful way.
1: Yeah, jazz. You know, I like to say now this is just my my talking, but I like to say that jazz is like the original protest music. Mm. You know, there were there were at the time that jazz was really started in the, I I don't want to, you know, date myself, but I would would say the late 1800s if I, and if, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, you guys, but um, I'd like to say at that time there was like minstrel music, there was classical music, and then there were these artists who came along who would, black men, you know, in a time where you're seeing minstrel shows and all of this, these men would come on in their Sunday best play this complicated music no one could figure out but for them it was their release it was like their protest and after that they probably had to go back to the field or back to you know wherever they back on the road wherever wherever they came from but for that moment in time they could be on stage and they could be defiant and powerful and, and amazing and people couldn't figure it out and i think that 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 is a beautiful thing about jazz and now it brings people together so much because you have, you know, whether it's a heavy metal artist and a jazz musician or a hip-hop artist and a jazz musician, there's so many ways that the genre now is, is complex and beautiful and huge. So I think it's, it's definitely an American art form, and it's definitely a universal art form.
0: Oh, my God. I yeah. think I totally agree with you 100%. Uh, just quickly, we're a uh, uh, radio announcement. We are broadcasting live here at KUHSDenver.com. That's KUhSdenver.com, broadcasting the best shows, the best programs here in Denver, all across the nation, and all across the world. Thank you so much for tuning in today uh, to listen to this amazing conversation that I'm having <laughs> with Raj. Is it Raj? Yeah, call Raj. That's Raj, much Raj, it's Raj. <laughs> Raj. I love Raj Ulari. Raj yeah. Ulari, but let's Raj. Okay. What's it like for, for you to perform on stage? Do you ever get nervous when you're performing? Do you ever, I mean, I know... When I, whenever I'm acting, whenever I get into the acting, and I'm about ready to perform and get on stage, I get so nervous. Oh my gosh! You want to, you put your whole heart into it. Yes. You, you, I mean, you're most of the time when you're watching a performance on stage, and mm-hmm. you have no idea the time that went into the rehearsals, no. the mistakes you made, the fumblings. the oh, yeah. you you know, as an actor, you're looking for the character and all those things, yes. so you don't see the, all that process that comes up. And so you you really want to perform well for the people that you're... Do you yeah. feel that same way? Do you get those
1: Absolutely. butterflies then? Oh, know? yeah. You know, it's funny because I think I, for me, I, I firmly believe... Now, there are people who don't get nervous, and, you know, if they don't, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you're nervous, it means you care that much. Mm-hmm. You know, you care that much to put on... The best performance that you can, even when it's not perfect, even when you know you might have a bad note or a bad a bad night, um, a bad line, or something like that. But at the end of the day, that feeling that you get going on stage is that desire that you have for everything that you've practiced, all the hours that you've put in, that it translates well to people. And so, yes, absolutely, I'm always nervous. <laughs> I get nervous every time, but but uh, but it's good and. What what, I, what I've learned as I've gotten older, because, you know, you'd be nervous and you'd be like, oh, my God, I just want to go and, mm-hmm. you know, be on the bed and throw the blankets over me and I don't want to do anything. I just want to hide from the world. Yeah. but But what I've learned is if you push through that and if you just are vulnerable anyway, then you end up having these magical experiences. Yeah. So it makes it all worth it. You just got to get through that little, you know, you that, little that little twinge in your twinge. belly. You yeah. just have to. and it's
0: not—it is that vulnerability, yeah, of, of exposing yourself, of just allowing those fears to get you slowly. Don't don't allow those fears to overwhelm you. Just no. sit in that vulnerability, and there's sometimes if you can do that, magic happens. Yeah, in the performances, I think from my experience with
1: that. Yeah, and I mean, I would say it's funny because. You know, I've been a musician for a long time, and so I'm less nervous in music. I even if I make a wrong note or whatever, mm-hmm. I know that the next note's going to be awesome because I've been a performer for so long. When I go into being an actress and doing like musical theater and things like that, I feel like I'm so much more vulnerable on a d- different level now because it's not just me and Raj Dilari and the brand that I've created. Right. It's like I have to be this completely different person. I don't want you to see Raj Dilari. I want you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, want, you want someone to see the, whatever the character is. Yeah. And so it's another level of growth. But I think that's what's beautiful about being an artist is if you care enough, you'll challenge yourself to do the difficult things, mm-hmm. and then once you've done them, you affirm that you're in the right place, and then the cycle just continues, and you know you just keep growing.
0: Well, you and you're looking at it from uh, you know putting yourself in other people's shoes. Yes, having to understand yeah. where, how they walked, what they did, what they saw, you right, know, and, 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 and fully embodying it. You're really trying to to create a soul on the stage, this yeah. soul that has a whole life and experience. And having walked uh, in their shoes, and uh, it's—I think it opens as an artist. That's why we have such compassion for Mm -hmm. for all the things that are going on in the world, because we—you really feel what other people are going through because it's required of you to do that as an actor to perform on the stage to make it believable. Because you will know right away if somebody is not being truthful in their performance. Yeah, you will know that. Yeah, if you're not coming from your heart, you will know that.
1: I think artists are the true community and cultural ambassadors. Mm -hmm. If you think about, you know, service industries are beautiful, not to take anything away from it. People who work in business, Mm -hmm. there's obviously space for that. But as an artist, you always have to have a connection to the spirit of your community, Mm -hmm. or the spirit of whatever it is you're trying to do. And you also have have a responsibility if you care enough as an artist to try and represent that in the best way that you can, yeah. whether that 's on stage or in whatever you create, or even when you 're asked to do a project that 's not you know not your thing but it 's something that you 're an ensemble member there 's a level of care and interpretation and storytelling that goes into that, and I just think that that 's such a beautiful thing not that it would be great if like artists could be politicians because then maybe we would say things in the best <laughs> yeah. way we'd be we'd be crazy maybe we
0: politicians be, maybe but. we would be truthful
1: <laughs> exactly maybe we would be that's honest a, okay you know, that's maybe, the thing that's the
0: thing because well, well, when you when you're i'm sorry don't mean no you, no, no it's when when you as an, as an artist when you lie you have to be truthful in your lying yes you have you do. to be you, you can do, <laughs> do because you, and so you have to understand and study the nature of people who lie in order yeah. to be truthful and about what and you're lying on stage, yeah
1: you know what? well and, and, and even so, if you compare yeah. like you know the things that we discuss in society, if you saw it on CNN, you wouldn't necessarily want to see it. but if you saw it in a Hollywood film Maybe. and there's a subject that's being tackled in a Hollywood film, like let's say immigration or whatever it is. You could you could some you could understand it you could empathize with it a little bit more because there's a story and something you can kind of attach your heart to. So I think there's something beautiful about that. But you know, I, I <laughs> digress. we digress, digressing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a whole other conversation. Oh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> what is your? Uh, I don't know. We're just kind of like. But I love that. I love that we can um, you know going through those digressions because yeah. so it's it's, all, it's organic. It's yeah. honest. Uh, what's the best experience you've ever had on stage?
1: Wow, you know, it's funny because every project I've done has had a bit of magic to it, right? So, I've been in all-female world music bands, I've been in jazz bands, I've been in gospel things, um, and then now my latest iteration, which is my band, that I've been doing for about eight, nine years. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that is great. However, I had an opportunity last year to go to Colorado College and when we went to Colorado College sometimes we do these performances for the students whether it's their you know Black Student Union or or even what whatever you know their summer festivals things like that but in this particular moment we had gone there about a month after this horrible manifesto had been sent to Colorado College. It was an email that went around and everybody—you know the whole campus was charged, everybody was feeling something, um, and we got a chance to have dinner with some of the uh, female students of the Black Student Union at the time. After that, we had a concert that night. So we, we went up early. Myself, um, I'm part of a podcast called The Sip, which is um, it's the singer, the instrumentalist, the poet the poet. It's my best friend and my sister-in-law. And we actually went and and had a meeting with them and and got a chance to kind of talk with them. And after that, we had a concert and I sang this song, Black Girl, and it's on my um, Journey of a Woman album. And for the first time, even though I've done this song many times, even though I've, I've, you know, performed it a lot and a lot of people have touched it, there was something about... Seeing those young students, after this thing had happened on campus, and after we'd gotten a chance to talk to them, and making this music, and some of the girls started crying as we were performing the music, it was a small venue, it's by no means the largest audience I've ever performed at, but the energy and the healing that we felt like we were able to exchange with these students was so magical, and I'll never forget it. And we were blessed to come back again this year and and talk with with the college and and spend some time with them and make music again with them. Um, But I'll never forget that for my life because I think what you create as an artist has the power to really heal people if you let it, you know? And that was a moment where I was feeling, you know, before that it happened, I was feeling like, oh, I'm in a new, you know, a new state, and people don't really know me, and I'm trying to do this music, and you know, I'm trying to get people out, and you know, really questioning myself as an artist, and then I go to this college, and I have this moment, and I'm like, this is why, this is why, this, this is, this is all the hours I spend, these are the rehearsals, this is the money that I put into the band, it's everything, is all worth it for moments like that, you know? That's so, so. beautiful. Wow,
0: yeah. uh, that's really beautiful. And I I agree and you know it's like one of the one of the favorite performances that I ever did. Yeah. Uh, was working we did a, a play about the um uh this was when I first started acting. Mm-hmm. It was I was, was studying <laughs> over at uh Stella Adler Academy and uh in uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And we did the show and I can't remember the but it was about uh it was about the the Hiroshima Nagasaki uh bombs oh. and the children that were affected. It was something, it was cranes, and uh, I, I can't believe I skipped, the, I can't remember, it was something about cranes. Anyway, but mm-hmm. well, we performed it in front of children, mm-hmm. and to help them understand the impact that uh, nuclear fallout has on another culture, and we yeah. moved through it, and had combining uh, Japanese movement, because the director was a good friend of yeah. mine, from ja- uh, Noriko from Japan. Yeah. And uh, we moved through, and the children were so affected by it. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most moving things. I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is such a powerful thing." Yeah, and theater has that, music has that, yeah. painting has that, yeah. writing all those things because it, it it opens us up to a part of ourselves that we seem to close off mm-hmm. in our regular everyday life.
1: Yeah, and this is you know that's that's an example of why like history and theater is important, right? Mm-hmm. To teach the younger generation in a way that they can understand it. And really, you know, comprehend it and also the universa- universality of being an artist, right? Mm-hmm. For you to for you to do that play with your friend that tells the story. I still remember reading articles about the fallout of Chernobyl yeah. and how people, you know, feel and, and you know, generations later how people and their children are still being affected by this. So, you know, what we do in the world affects you know countries on a larger scale so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that and, and I hope that we create more art like that
0: Boy do I too, I, me too you and then the power of, of the theater is able to heal, to transform, to bring remembrance to honor the dead, to yes. all those things yes. and to honor the lives and the struggles that you get to see and you, you get to almost watch yourself and you can see this in movies as well, great yeah. movies have that kind of power,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: transformative power and I think your music has that kind of power thank you and I think your music has it and i 'm so
1: <laughs> i 'm
0: so excited to have, you know that you 're here in denver uh, now w- when you moved to New York City after you went to uh, uh let's see here you went to Berkeley College of Music yes. in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, where you honed your vocal skills and then you moved to New York City yeah. I mean can you describe to people what that was like? Because uh, it was an artist movie. I mean, I, I it was shared a, it with you. It was, it
1: was a heart attack. No, <laughs> 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 no. I mean, you know, it's here's here's what I think. I've learned a big lesson, and I'll tell you the lesson in a second. But I was in Boston. I had been doing. I had I had been performing for a long time. I was in three different bands. I was in this really well known, highly awarded uh, women. Uh, uh, world music uh, band all women all female world music band and we'd won like the boston music awards and all these things but i really wanted to be a solo artist and move to new york i had no idea what that meant you know i just knew that i was gonna you know break out and i had been in boston up until i was like 30 so i was late in doing this but I just knew that I wanted to take this leap of faith. So I cashed in, I had, I had a little retirement fund, which, you know, a 30, whatever. But I cashed it in, I moved to New York, um, I got a sublet apartment, and I just was like, let me just see if I can make this work. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Um, it was beautiful, I released two albums in New York. It was so challenging, um, and a lot of good happened there. But the thing that I learned the most I didn't learn until I left New York. So I leave New York and I move to Denver. And the minute that I move here, I didn't know my husband wanted to move here. He was like, you know, he loved Colorado, and you know, he's a he's a he's a six foot tall Brooklyn dude, but he's like the most hippiest person you'll ever meet. And you know, for him, he wanted to be in the mountains and live in Colorado. And I was like, are there even people of color there? Like, what are we doing? And, but but I tell you, the minute I got here. I realized that I needed to strip myself bare of the expectations that I had about being an artist. I think in New York, it's so beautiful because there's such a hot culture there, and there's so many ways that you can try to get in, but it's hard if you're not known, and you have to know the right people, and you you have to have representation, and it's really challenging. But I got to tell you, the last two years I was in New York, I worked less than I do now in Denver. I've been here in Denver for two years and I have made more, worked more than ever. And I think it's because I changed my mindset and I changed my perspective about how I wanted to approach my career. And not just, because in New York I was thinking, I went to Berkeley, I've studied this long. How, of course people want to hear my music. How am I not getting these fabulous gigs? And how am I not getting all this you know, responsibility and you know this response from people? But I was a drop in, in an ocean Which, no matter how good you are, sometimes you're just a drop in the ocean. But when I came to Denver, I was like, I'm just going to make music however it makes me happy. I'm not going to have any expectations about it. I'm just going to open myself up to the experience. And when I did that, man, I tell you, it's changed my whole life. It's changed my whole way of performing and being an artist. That's so
0: fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's the same kind of a thing. New York, Los Angeles has this thing where... You want to go out there, big city, big lights, that oh, kind yeah. of thing. And you can, you could be, want to have an art, you, uh, uh, such an incredible artist. Yeah. And nobody knows you. Yeah. You, you can't find it because there's so many people competing or doubling or you get lost in the traffic. Yeah. And when you come to a place like Colorado and Denver, it does. There's a freedom that hey, I can do what I want here now. And I, th- I, I think just putting yourself in a
1: quiet space too, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that I think New York and LA markets are beautiful, yeah. you know, you can, you can do a lot there, it is a rat race, but you can do it, um, but I think sometimes as, as an artist, just challenging yourself within your own career to say, how about I step out of my comfort zone, how about I just, you know, New York is great, but it's not the be all end all. LA is great, but it's not the be all end all. You could be in, you know, Switzerland. And, and be an artist in a way. You could, you could leave your comfort zone and completely have a beautiful experience if you're willing to just open yourself up to the process mm-hmm. and not have so many expectations about who you think you are or where you should be. Mm-hmm. More about, can I create what makes me happy and can I be open about this process? I it, think it changes the game.
0: You your do. soul goes with you wherever you go.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it exactly. doesn't matter.
0: And it's not. A, it's not. You, oh, okay, my my creativity only is in Los Angeles. So yeah. Uh, Chicago or whatever. It's or if I'm every- only
1: performing at these venues, right. then, I, then I'm a good artist. Or if, if I'm I only in movies,
0: day. then I'm an artist. Or if I'm on TV, then I'm on... No, yeah. you're an artist wherever you go. And everybody has some creativity inside of them. Yeah. You, and and you you got to explore that within you. That, uh, that connects you to those the deeper richness in your soul. And your soul goes with you. It doesn't yeah. matter. And that's
1: healing. Yes. That's the thing is, as artists, yes. you know not only do you do you create and you make music, but you also bring whatever you are to the table when you're an artist, right? You bring whatever your expectations, your trauma, your everything. I love that your show is about, you know, trauma and and survival and healing and things like that. But but as an artist, if you really want to express that healing through your art, then you've gotta be willing to open yourself up to do that work, you right? You
0: gotta do the work. If you you're not doing do the, the work, work, you're not... You know, so often people—we were talking earlier about this—they use their their wounds as weapons. Yeah, they're not using; they they stay wounded. Yes, you can't control what happened to you, Mm-mm. but you do get to make choose what you do with it. Yes, and nobody will ever heal. No one will ever heal as long as you continue to blame.
1: Yes, you exactly. will not
0: heal. You will not. You yeah. will not. And truth heals. Lies keep you
1: sick. Man, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> but it's so, it's so true. It's you know. I we we were talking about just how how trauma can re-institute itself over the over years and I think especially as an artist you know challenge yourself to to look at those things that you tell yourself daily challenge yourself to say instead of saying oh I didn't get this gig or oh I didn't get this opportunity or oh you know I'm not in this venue It's more of, I have the opportunity to make music today. I can sit in my living room and sing, and that is my art, and that is my job, and that is my creativity. So if someone brings me somewhere to perform, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because I feel like someone thought enough of me and what I'm doing to have me here in this moment. And then it's not about the venue, the money, the whatever. It's more about the experience and am I bringing positivity to the situation. I've had you know, challenges where you'll, you'll work with a certain venue and they'll give you all this heartache about how to get in and all these kinds of things. And I used to let it get me all worked up. And now I'm like, as long as I have a moment to be with people and create some kind of music and some kind of healing moment, then that's what it's, what, what it's about. Everything
0: Uh, else is, you know. Everything else is gravy.
1: It's gravy. It's gravy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because
0: when you're around people like that and you feel it, 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 it uh, you can't describe it in words. No. You really can't. And it is something you want to keep coming back at because that's more real than everything else that's around you. Yeah. And when you have that healing power, but you have to be willing to expose your wounds and be vulnerable and be truthful in every moment and everything that you do all the time. Yeah. Now you had a uh, Raj. You had a, you. You had two two albums. Yes. And uh, one of them was Honey Wine. Uh, that's the, your first self-produced album. Yes. Yes. And could you tell us to describe how uh, you know how that album came about and you know where you you know what were you trying to communicate? <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me with the music.
1: Honey Wine is like my first baby. You uh-huh. always remember your first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you you know your yeah. your first child and um, Honey Wine, I literally, I moved to New York in 2010. Mm-hmm. I started writing the album before I moved and it was such a cathartic experience for me because I had been doing everybody else's projects and you know, people were not happy that I was leaving and moving to New York. You know, There were bands that I had been with for a long time and I was torn because I felt like, yes, I had this relationship here, but I really wanted to just be free and try to do something different. And so I moved to New York and um, got with some some of my fellow Berkeley folks who had moved uh, to, to New York as well and wrote this album. Um, I did some, there's a Tuck and Patty uh, arrangement on there that we did of their song Reverie. Um, there's some a cappella stuff on there. There's, um, I did a Phoebe Snow cover on there. There's all these things of me just exploring like the different ways of jazz that I wanted to create. And so it's magical to me because it feels like my first baby and it was literally me. Okay, I'm, I'm solo artist now. What do I have to say to the world? Yeah. And honey wine is an Ethiopian wine. It's called Tej, actually. And it's a very, very sweet wine. It's, it's, it's when you drink it, it's sweet, but then it gets you kind of intoxicated. And so, <laughs> you don't notice it's so good that you're just drinking it and drinking it, and before you know it, you're drunk. So, <laughs> that's what I felt like honey wine was about. That, that was just, you know, this this lovely musical experience that's really sweet, but then you just love it the more you hear it, so. That's, yeah, that's that's
0: a fantastic. And uh, and on this you had uh, you you filmed a video. I oh, did. Yes. I did. You filmed a video for it uh, for Honey One. It was for the title
1: track. Yeah. It
0: was a music video, right? Mm-hmm. And in that music video, there was a you, you filmed a love scene. I did. Right? Good lord! Oh I God, know. It I'm i so always hard. like whenever I
1: see that love scene, I'm like whoo! <laughs> <laughs> <And, and>, uh, <laughs> but I was very <clears throat> intentional about it. So yeah.
0: Well, what was it, you had an intention? I think you, you on your on your website you were determined to create a visual where curvy girls are seen as a love interest in mainstream music
1: yeah you know it's funny and and thankfully now we have people like jasmine sullivan and when i was growing up there was vesta there was uh, phyllis hyman there were a lot of these artists out, but you didn't always see intimate scenes with curvy women. Even on TV now, like you see it sometimes. I know people were talking about This Is Us. There's like a scene on there with a curvy woman who's, you know, but you don't see it a lot. And for me, I was determined to have that moment where you do a music video and you're talking about love. I'm not the side chick. I'm not the best friend. This is myself and my relationship and my happy moment that I'm having with this person that I'm in love with. So that was the uh the the impetus behind that music video and a fun trivia fact my husband now uh, we were not dating at the time, but he's actually in that video. Oh, uh, he was I, just in the audience. We didn't even know each other at the time. But if you uh, look at the video, and there's a guy in a gray suit, and he kind of leans his head back like that, that's my husband. Oh, that's <laughs> and we ended up meeting after that and dating yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And so um, that, it always makes me smile to think about.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think you're, you know, it's so, we all deserve to be loved. Yeah, we all deserve to have love and feel love, and not to be falling into any kind of yeah. you know stereotype or like you were saying, exactly. the, the girl on the side. Or the, no, we you know, and to celebrate that. Yeah, I think that's so brave and incredible that, that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah. and
0: uh, you know, and I the guy
1: who was in it, um, shout out to Terrell Carter. He was you know such a great. I, I met him. Um, he's beautiful, actor, singer, model guy. Yeah. One of my friends at the time met him on the street. I was looking for a guy who, to do this music video. And she asked him, "Would you be interested? I have this you know jazz vocalist?" And immediately he said, "Yes." And if you're for for us Kirby girls who are artists." you always worry about people who say that they want to play the love interest that we you know will they say yes or no or whatever he was so gracious about it and he just was like absolutely I think this is a great idea and it made me feel like you know what I'm heading in the right direction this is what I'm supposed to be doing that's
0: so, so, I was so, grateful so for that. awesome I think that's so <laughs> great um and then your second oh I'm sorry you have a, a clothing line right
1: no, I don't have a clothing line but I do um I do have a style blog. Style so, blog. Okay, I got yeah.
0: confused with that. I was like <laughs> it's called the uh, Rajulari style. Yes?
1: yes. I would love to have a clothing line. Oh, okay. Maybe that's like, <laughs> that you know, Rajulari three point oh, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, thought, when I looked
0: on it, that's what I thought. I was like, Oh my gosh, she has a clothing line as well. Yes! amazing.
1: <laughs> so. Well, Beth, you know, I just want to get paid for being fabulous, I've decided. I just want to get paid for, like, you know, wearing great clothes, making good music, and having fun with life. Now, that's idealistic, but well, that's <laughs> a broken right. dream. A girl
0: can dream, that's it. And it's a great dream, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, uh, your second album, uh, Journey of a Woman, yes. <clears throat> was independently released and co-produced. With pianist Aaron Brooks Roberts,
1: yes, and
0: all oh, the songs are based on your life experiences,
1: yes, yes. Um, Journey of a Woman came out four years after Honeywine, mm-hmm. and at that by that time, I had been in New York for a while. I really wanted more of an r and b style to this and uh Aaron Brooks Roberts is an incredible pianist. He's the husband of my best friend Monique Brooks Roberts, who if you guys come to the show on the twenty eighth, you'll get to hear both of them perform. Um, but they he 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 just had this vibe that was really powerful. And so we sat down and, and worked on Journey of a Woman. And I felt like it's more of like it's my second baby. It's like my grown woman kind of album. And I felt like I had more, you know, to say during that time. So yeah.
0: Well, the song's on it. I mean, uh, it's so good.
1: Thank I you. Mean, she has, <laughs> folks,
0: she has a sampler on her website, which is www.radjulari.com. Uh, uh, it's R-A-D-J-U-L-A-R-I.com. That's R A D. Oh no.
1: R A J. Excuse me. I'm, forget
0: about that. What I just said completely okay. erase. <laughs> okay.
1: I, I wrote it wrong down in here. It was
0: late night. I missed something.
1: So no, it's okay. <laughs> was so sorry. It's R
0: A J D U L A R I dot com. That's R A J D U L A R I dot com. And on their website, uh, she has a sampler of the video. Uh, of the music of Journey mm-hmm. of a Woman, and it is so good. I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> you know, you're you you're bringing in Ella. You're Thank bringing you. in some, you know, you're bringing. Thank it. you. And uh, SoulTrain.com <clears throat> said that Rajulari takes listeners on a melodic ride, a ride filled with expressive and welcome twists and turns, influenced by jazz greats like Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald. This New York-based vocalist echoes a sound of honesty and joyfulness in her music. Journey of a Woman is one blessing worth listening to. UrbanMusicScene.com gives it five stars. And Tiffany Jones, editor of Pose Magazine, says, Rajulari is what our ears so desperately hunger for in this day and age. Did you ever imagine that uh, when you were creating this album that you would have that kind of response and...
1: it I didn't I you know usually I make my music as a healing process Mm -hmm. I make my music because it touches something within me and I hope that it touches other people and for me it's always been about what what can I say you know Journey of a Woman especially I was single at the time I was really questioning myself I was trying to figure out uh, who I was and at the same time I was really defiant about being a performer and and putting myself out there in this way, and so there I fall in love on the album. Like there's such a journey that happens in the album, and I'm just so grateful that other people felt it too, and that it was it touched them in a way too. I was, I was so pleasantly many gigs. surprised You got so many gigs. <laughs> We're traveling.
0: I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, New York, Chicago, London, Paris. Yes. yes. Uh, all, I mean, it was uh, so such an. And it's your uh, your this album was charted on Billboard's Top 200 R&B Hip-Hop Albums listing without any major marketing or support.
1: Yes. That's incredible. Yes. And it's, shout out to my friend Kevin Goins who, uh, who works in radio and he was really, really instrumental in helping me get the word out. And, you know, it, 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 it can be a challenge to be independent, but it's so worth it. Uh, and then so worth
0: it. listen here the audience, hear this. It became the number one. <laughs> Number one album on R&B outlets in Great Britain,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: one of the top ten CDs for the whole year.
1: Yes, in
0: yes. Uh, uh, in the UK okay on the album charts.
1: Yes, and many thanks to UK Soul and Jazz FM radio radio for that because they really helped make oh. that happen. i was so
0: grateful. So amazing. That's really. I mean, what what do you what do you think is the what's the key to your success? What is the you know, it's a passion, it's a perseverance, a love of your craft, a combination. I think. And what do you think? It's the difference? What do you makes the difference?
1: I think it's all of that. I think it's you know, success is not a stagnant thing, right? It goes up and down, and you have great days, and you have low days, and you have you know challenges, and you have beautiful gigs, and you have hard gigs, and all those things. I think that what is beautiful about the journey is your perseverance and just being open to the process. For me, I can't, you know, I, I've had I've had really, really stellar releases, I've had really, really high, highly reviewed albums, and then I've, you know, put out stuff and haven't heard much from it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, but I think that's, that's the beautiful balance. You know, it's like you can you can um, if you're more passionate about I saw a play last year about Hattie McDaniel. And, in, and if you know, Hattie McDaniel was like one of the first kind of mammy characters um, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but she was such a powerful actress. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I could be saying this wrong, but I believe she was the first one to win an Oscar. Oscar. She was
0: the first one to win an Oscar. Exactly. She, uh, I think it was gone, for, gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, gone right. Gone with the Wind. Yeah.
1: And in this play, um, you know, the the actress who who represents Hattie was talking about, it's about the work. Mm-hmm. It's about the journey. It's about what you create. So you don't, if you're a good artist, or at least if you're conscious of it, you don't pay attention to the success so much mm-hmm. as you do the process of the work and enjoying that process. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, I think is is what makes me happy more than anything. Well, you I can see it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean it, it
0: radiates. It comes right. And through. it keeps me going and you know, and it,
1: no matter what.
0: And I just love that. And then you're right. It is about the work. You yeah. know, it's about. And, and I remember sometimes when I was performing or whatever and you put all this work, and you'd have one person in the audience exactly. but you gave your all to that one person and yeah. it was so sad and then of course you'd have other times where you had a large audience and stuff like but that's yeah. just part of the process yeah and you do it you know to share your your talent your gifts your 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 passion your your soul to the audience yeah. and you hope that in that interaction it's a symbiotic relationship between yeah. the audience and the performers that they will be changed by that. And then your music mm. is so healing. I mean, just when you listen to go listen to the samples. It's amazing. <laughs> um, do you
1: have a favorite song from the album? Gosh. Um, there's a couple. Um, it's uh, That's like saying, do you have a favorite baby, you <laughs> <That's> know? <laughs> do you have a favorite baby? <laughs> that's, One, that's I, favorite. I will say I love Natural from the album because it was... It was like my my Curvy Girl anthem, Mm -hmm. and it's the one that people have responded to the most. But if I was to say uh, two of my favorites on the album would be one song is called Miracles, Mm -hmm. and it's about about the dance that people do when they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And so it's about the butterflies that you feel, Mm -hmm. and there's like a bass solo, and a flute solo, and it's this like little jazz experience. I love that and then we rearranged a Tina Turner's song called what's love got to do with it oh, yeah. um, and we rearranged it and it was produced by Aaron and it features my best friend who's a jazz violinist and so we sing this song and I've got you know the what I love about Tina is you know the what's love got to do with it is such a saucy song it's mm-hmm. such a sassy thing mm-hmm. but the way that we do it is like you're, you you feel the magnetism between the people, but it's also like, but I'm not going to go there with you. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to feel this vibe like, and then I'm going to go over here. come back over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and feel then, then Monique plays so, yeah. such a powerful solo in it that it's just like, it, and whenever we do the song live, the song on the album is probably about seven minutes long. When we do it live, it goes for like 12, 13 minutes. It's such a vibe. You just, you know, you can lay out on the ground and just enjoy it, so... Yeah, well, those would be my two favorites. I, uh, <laughs> I
0: I can't wait to hear it uh, in person.
1: <laughs> is it
0: a? Uh, can we? Would you mind gracing us with the song? Sure, just I'd love a to. Bit, uh, before you know, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the show. I, I would know. love for everybody to hear your voice. And well, just what some I, of your
1: music. What, your what is so funny is that. Um, so we've got this show happening on the twenty eighth. And actually what you're going to hear, what I'm going to do for you now has never even been performed live. And it was wow. also produced by Aaron Brooks Roberts. We have um, other producers that are working on this album uh, and, as well as Aaron. But for this one, I just love this track so much that I had to write something to it. And a lot of what I write, even though I do a lot of healing work, mm-hmm. is also about love. So you'll hear a lot of love songs <laughs> in my album. So this is one well, of them love is healing. Right? Yes, love exactly. is Love is healing. So,
0: <laughs> All right, let me make sure that I get this thing up.
1: I know. I'm going to play, let's see. You can hear it. Give us one second, y'all. We're gonna get this together. Do you hear I don't hear the
0: music. Do you hear it? Is it thing? Mm-hmm. Hold on guys. Hold on, I hope it could be give us just a second as we figure this out.
1: There we go. That's my fault. That's okay. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) This song is called Dreamin'. What if I told you a story about a love so rare? Impossible to find it. Black and brown, honey. Drizzled in shades of gold. The way their bodies move. It's the greatest story never told. Well, you know, when I wow. think of that song, sometimes I think of songs in colors and, you know, yeah. I don't know if, if other people do this, but for me, um, when I think of that song, I literally like saw black and gold. Mm-hmm. And I thought about the way that people dance and, and move when they love each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and sometimes things happen, you don't see it, you know, you're not in everyone's bedroom, but there's something that's so magical about two people coming together in love. And this dance that they do, and the passion. And you think that love is, you know, it's just in, it's all in your head, but it can make you blind if you make <laughs> can the wrong totally decision. You, you know, no. it's, I, I, I,
0: it really can. And I think, you know, one of the beautiful things about love it's is a powerful if, emotion. It's, it's the most powerful force in the world. Yeah. It really is. And if we could take off of our personalities and our inclinations and our prejudices and biases and just see oh my god it is the most powerful force it it can be uh um, life-changing
1: especially when you use it for good yes especially when you know it's something that you do to improve the lives of people around you Mm -hmm. and that's what i hope that our work does all the time
0: now, how can people? Uh, where can they buy your album? I mean, I, oh. I would love them to know where, to, where they can buy your album, and, or your, both of your albums, and you know, do what other venues? What do you have a gig? You have a gig coming up next yes, week? Yes, yeah?
1: yes, yes. I have okay. a gig. It's uh, February twenty eighth. Um, it's at the Syntax Physic Opera, which is on uh, South Broadway, uh, South Broadway near Virginia, downtown Denver. And um, I love Syntex because it's like an old speakeasy. It, it feels like a slice of Brooklyn and Denver. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue. And they've allowed us to come in and do a live album recording. And um, some of the songs that people are gonna hear that night, I have never performed anywhere. We've been working on them for a good two years. I've been mar- you know, marinating them in my little lab with my band. And so, <laughs> for those folks who have seen um, you know, the two albums, Raj Delari, Journey of a Woman and Honey Wine, um, and who love them i'm excited to share with you this next chapter so I oh my god awesome. and,
0: and uh <laughs> tickets are available right now
1: right? yes they are yeah. they're 10 bucks um please definitely come out and uh take take advantage oh yes you can see it right behind us right there, there. <laughs> that's the flyer right
0: there coming on yeah and then your albums uh, honey wine and journey of a woman they can buy on your website
1: yes yeah, so okay. Rajdulari.com, r-a-j-d-u-l-a-r-i uh, dot com um, there's a link on there that says shop, but I'm also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, but if you you know go on my website, obviously you'll get it directly from the artist, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, rajulari.com. <laughs>
0: rajulari.com. That's it. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for joining me on this show. You thank are, I know, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> amazing. Thank you.
0: And, and just uh, just a gift to the world. Thank I mean, your you. voice is truly a gift to the world. I mean, your, uh, you know, your heart, your your passion, your love of it, and uh, you you are an amazing artist, and we are very lucky, very lucky to have you here in Denver.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and you know, I really appreciate KUHS. I have, just have to say, you guys have given me you know a lot of response. I, I appreciate Henry. For all of the music that he plays on the on the site, you guys don't know how much it means to an independent artist uh, that people support your music and that they are willing to share it with the world. And it just means everything to me. So, and just for you guys to let me to come on and talk about the show next week, I just I'm so grateful. So, thank you guys very much,
0: <laughs> uh, Raj. Uh, I always ask my guests that I have come on to the show, uh, what is one if you could give one bit of advice one bit of wisdom from your life experience what would it be
1: be afraid and do it anyway be afraid it's okay to be afraid but do it anyway whatever that whatever that is if it's a job if it's a new venture if it's a you know if it's talking to someone that you've always wanted to talk to if it's putting yourself out there and starting that podcast or, you know, starting your speaking, you know, job or, you know, doing a TED talk, whatever it is that scares you the most. uh, If you feel that fear, it's probably because it's a powerful vibration within you that you should do it. So do it and be okay with being scared. And even if it flops, oh, well, be okay with the process, be okay with the journey. So be afraid and do it anyway.
0: I love it! I love it! I love it! I think yeah, it's, one, it's great, great, Raj. Um, thank you so much. It's thank you. It's really a privilege.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Uh, thank you, folks, for uh, tuning into the council today. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did today. And uh, my gosh, the uh, wow! It's so amazing to bring people together on this show. It's just, uh, it's uh, God. What a what a blessing this has been. Um, next week, we will be back uh, one to two p.m on Friday, Mountain Standard Time for another conversation that we will be having here on the council it's going to be with uh, Father Jim Clark from the Archdiocese of Los angeles so we've got, uh, we're going to talk about rituals and transformation and a lot of stuff that's uh, happening in the Catholic Church as well and how we can bring some resolution to that and to bring some healing to that as well Yeah which cool. is really needed. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, KUHS, Denver.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing the council to be here to broadcast to the world and to all parts on this country. Uh, The numbers continue to grow on this show. Thank you so much. We couldn't have this show without you and uh, for trusting me to bring you the best shows I possibly can. Um, Folks, may you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. The council is adjourned. God bless. We'll see you next week.